In a small town in Maine, a train pulls into the station with a dead body in one of its cabins. Before they died, the person fogged the window and scratched a series of symbols into the glass. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, episode 32, The Beauty's Detective Squad. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine. I've never encountered a murder I couldn't solve, but I've also never encountered a murder. Now on this podcast, we watch detective anime, we bring in a guest to talk through it, we always spoil the episodes and the mysteries of them, so you could watch it in advance if that is of concern to you. But I have got to introduce our other co-host, our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky, who continues to live with me and watch a lot of anime. Last week, we mentioned how we just moved to a new apartment. Now, one of the fun parts of moving, as if there are fun parts of moving. There are no fun parts. (laughs) There are no fun parts. Uh, But you look through all of your stuff. And I know, Michael, you were finding manga and anime and and manga slash anime paraphernalia so i was just wondering if there was anything you were like "Ooh, this is fun that you want to mention well it's uh, every time i move i get rid of more and more old manga i don't know why i bought so much i don't ever reread any of it did you buy it before the day before there was so much anime on television and before like all this stuff was more accessible on the internet in general i think it's mostly just borders kept giving me coupons <laughs> and that's why they went out of business <laughs> why they, they went out of business so many coupons. <laughs> it was just me They give you too many coupons, and now they are gone. All right, Mike, what have you got for us today? This episode was a lot, so I was a little too flustered to come up with anything particularly interesting. Really? There wasn't anything. (laughs) So I decided I'd talk about Aikido a little bit, since there's a lot of Aikido in this episode. I don't know anything about Aikido. Well, I don't pretend to be a martial arts expert by any stretch of the imagination. But generally speaking, Aikido is a modern martial art. It derives from the older style martial art, uh, Daitoryu Aikijutsu. Uh, from like the 1920s. Uh, and it's basically about self-defense, uh, breathing control, redirecting momentum. And it's, I don't know if it's taught in most schools, it's taught at DDS. Emphasis on, yeah, self-defense and like unifying your spirit. I think that's basically the name of, uh, like Aikido pretty much means like harmonious spirit. Do you, do you know, it looks like there's a lot of throws, like what I would think of judo as opposed to something like with punches and kicks. Or right, yes, chops. it's specifically about redirecting momentum, yeah. Well, I'm curious to see exactly how that plays into this episode. Are you? Thanks, Michael. So now let's introduce our mystery guest for this episode. Really happy to have him here to try to figure out what was going on here. Uh, Our guest this episode is an improv performer slash instructor and a mindset coach, the owner of Information Coaching and Communication. He's a true crime enthusiast, lover of Clue the Movie, and one time he solved the mystery of the carb-loading rodent. I've cracked the case. It's Ralph Andraccio. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> welcome, welcome. We've already cracked another case, too, about who killed Borders Bookstore. <laughs> oh, no, it was me. It was you. Yeah, it was you the entire time. Was it me or was it like the CEO or Borders or whoever was responsible for the marketing? It was Jeff Bezos. It was, it was Jeff Bezos, like for sure. <laughs> yeah, all of the above. So, Ralph, I'm really curious about this carb-loading rodent. We'll yeah. talk about that 
old sometime later. Okay. So first, uh, I want to ask you about, you told me about it and I said it in your intro. So you are a big fan of true crime and clue the movie. Yes. Um, So I don't know, like what, what are your favorite true crimes? And I'm, and are there any other mystery stuff that you're into? (laughs) Yeah, I am. I am a big sucker for like, I get sucked into law and order like uh, marathons at the drop of a hat. I have to be very careful about what TV I'm watching on the weekends because if I happen upon law and order and I see it's a marathon, I'm not moving for the rest of the day. I'll just text (laughs) everyone like, thanks, but no thanks. I can't come to your bris or your baby shower. You know, there's law and order. There's cases. Yeah, that Um, classic excuse for getting out of a bris. Right? (laughs) I know. Please use it. Everybody use it. I'm I'm gifting it to the audience. Um, and I also uh, anything that has to do with like Dateline NBC or like the where they go, like they spend 80 minutes on this one mystery murder and like unsolved mysteries. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. And it's funny. I'm so used to watching stuff where things get solved that when Unsolved Mysteries came back on Netflix and I was binging it at the end of every episode, they go, if you have any information to solve this case. And I always be like, what the hell? They didn't solve. And then I'm like, oh, it's Unsolved Mysteries. It's not Solved Mysteries. So I can't I can't get too angry about that. Yeah, so anything like that, any procedurals or like crime, like the the true crime, like Netflix, will have those specials where they like go, they have yeah. a documentary about a, a murder or something. Anything like that, I'm I'm a huge fan of because I like like hearing the story, looking at the suspects, and and you know forming an opinion about oh that you know who did it and why they did it and. I actually, my partner will refuses to watch mysteries or thrillers with me because within the first five, <laughs> like without fail, within the first five minutes of the movie or the TV show, I'm like, oh, she did it. And then he's like, why do you, why do you do that? And then an hour later, it's true. And then he's like, I'm never watching anything with you anymore. So it's impacted my relationship in <laughs> many negative ways. I think I'm that person in our relationship, except I usually just let no one know that I have figured it out and don't tell him. I make him. you tell me because <laughs> oh, I want yeah, you on I'm record that, to know. I'm a jerk that's like, oh, I know who it is and I'm going to tell you and ruin it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, watching both like that kind of true crime documentary stuff and the law and order fictional stuff, I don't know. How do, how do they compare? <sighs> See, there's also, well, first of all, Law and Order ripped from the headlines. Let's not forget. A lot of them are actually real stories that they like put their little Law and Order spin on. Um, I also am a fan of like the throat, like the suspense thrillers where it's like there's the twist and the turn, like Knives Out, where it's like, oh, he died, but you don't know who did it. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Um, (laughs) But I love those things where you have to exercise your brain. So I don't. I see what you're saying, though, where it's like, you know, it's going to be solved in like an hour and they kind of rush through stuff or it's like, right. oh, there's a twist at the end. You didn't see coming. And then, oh, my gosh, I didn't I didn't see that. That was awesome. Like, I like both of those things equally, I think. Cool. Yeah. I feel like, you know, last episode we had what was three episodes of this anime that we covered. And it was like exactly the kind of thing that I feel like you would have enjoyed based on what you described. <laughs> but well, that sounds not like what... I'm an episode too late then, isn't it? <laughs> it sure does. Um, but before we talk about that, I want to ask you about anime. Yes. Um, is that something you watch ever? Not 
Really? Um, yeah. I, I've watched and love Akira, which I think is like a classic mm-hmm. that everybody, if you don't know, you should know and watch it because it's influenced so many other things that have come after. I think, mm-hmm. didn't it influence like Blade Runner or something like that? Or am I talking out of my butt? I honestly don't know the order in which they came out, but I would believe that either uh, influenced either. Yeah, it's it's. I know it's influenced a ton of stuff that's come after, or like Vampire yeah. Hunter D, or like I've been watching Castle. I'm trying to watch Castlevania that came out just recently mm-hmm. on Netflix. Like, so if it's an interesting story or something that I know, I'll I'll like dig into it, but not. I don't usually watch a lot of anime. Yeah. Yeah, I know enough in, to know my way around. around. Yeah, cool. <laughs> did we, did uh, we just jinx and say the same thing at the same time? I'll edit it so that we did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll re- I'll come back later and record myself saying all all of the things you've said all Perfect. through the episode. <laughs> Beautiful. So let's put two and two together: mystery stuff, anime stuff. Have you ever seen like a mystery thriller or detective anime before? I've not. This was new for me. And I'm not. I'm not sure you did end up watching one. Yeah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. This was a, this was an interesting episode. <laughs> and I wanna I wanna move into talking about that, but I do think I wanna put out just a a, a little bit of a content warning because yeah. this episode deals with women being targeted in a couple different ways and molested. Not re- not really heavy sexual assault and topics like that. But, you know, that that is the content of the episode. And we're going to, so just a heads up for anybody who, who might not want to listen. Yeah, super, super perv alert. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's very funny because I had a sense of what this episode was going to be about um, from reading the description. And I'm like, and I thought of Ralph and I was like, <laughs> what would happen <laughs> if we brought in a third gay man? <laughs> Because anime, like, objectifies women so much, yes. and we just can't relate to that, and now we really can't relate to that. Yeah. I am I almost feel like we should have a, a, a woman here, or a woman That's, identifying person who can kind yeah. of give the counter, uh, <laughs> counter Well, I, I started to think that as I was watching the episode as well. <laughs> We're gonna, I'm going to do my best to channel all of my strong, independent, wonderful female friends that I have to yeah. kind of give some flavor to this episode and some commentary. So I'm going to try my best. I was for sure like two or three minutes into this episode and I was like, Noah, what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> what did we do? What did we do? What have we done? Yeah. Should we have skipped this one? Who knows? Send us an email at dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com and tell us whether or not we should have covered this episode. <laughs> all right. So before we cross the threshold into the, the plot of this episode and, and all that nonsense, um, we, we, I just want to ask you quickly about this, the uh, opening song at the beginning, because Mike and I are on record. I like the song. Mike doesn't. So that means you get to cast your vote on whether or not we like the song for the week. <laughs> oh crap. Um I I actually it. I do I like I like the song and here's why. Uh it's it's not knowing the language and not reading the subtitles as the song was playing. I'm just like, oh, this is a fun, happy, upbeat song. And I I was like, I found myself grooving along to it as it was playing. So in that sense, I I liked it. It was an I I don't know. If it's an appropriate lead-in to the show 
or like the yeah. content because it was very jarring. Uh, but just as a standalone theme song, sure. Great. So we're on the books. We like the song. Yes. Rather <laughs> frazzled. Wait, does this song change every week or is it the same song? This is the second opening song we've had. It, you know, oh, it changes okay. every season or so in an anime. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Usually. I don't know, Mike, you're the expert. Yeah, approximately. Yeah. And right, we're continuing to watch Detective Academy Q. We're like two thirds of the way through this entire series. Um, Michael, can you just catch up anybody who doesn't know what, what it's about? Sure. Detective Academy Q is usually uh, <laughs> about a group of high schoolers who attend DDS, the Don Detective School, where they are learning uh, to be learning to be detectives, being detectives, a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, and with the stated goal of taking over for the school headmaster, Don Morihiko, as like the lead investigator assisting the Japanese police. And all of that matters so much in this episode. It doesn't matter at all. <laughs> <laughs> and also, this is, this is the first time I'm watching it. I, I didn't know how it was pronounced. So I just read it as Dan Detective School. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> pops into my head with some guy named some down on his luck, uh, like, like retired cop just formed a school. <laughs> hey, you kids, get in here. I got another case for you to solve. You're not that far off. <laughs> It's just Don and not Dan. It's his last yeah. name, not a first name. I yeah. Got it. Mostly, okay. otherwise, uh, right on the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we get to start about talking about Aikido because that's the very first scene of the episode. Mm -hmm. And it, it, we learn that, like, we see Megu and Yukihira and Ru, a bunch of these characters practicing Aikido. Um, so we got to spend a lot of time with, with three female characters, one who's about to be introduced, who's kind of, kind of new to the show. <sighs> <laughs> but uh ralph what did you make of this trio so megu is a recurring is a main character yukihira is recurring she's often on the show and then toya kind of carried over from the last episode we'll explain that what did you make of their personalities or she's the quote-unquote new girl right toya toya -san? yeah toya's the new girl mm -hmm. okay and then i wrote down Min miniami san who is she the one with the pink hair is megu she was the photographic memory right Yes. yes. Okay. Megu. Yuka, Yukahira. She's like the straight lace one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got all my, I was, cause in the beginning I was like, oh, just seeing who the characters were. I'm like, oh, they hit all the five food groups of the, the prototype characters you need. There's like the lone emo guy. There's the token woman on the thing. There's the tall guy. <laughs> there's the nerd in the letter shirt. Like I was yeah. like, oh great. They covered all the bases right away. The Velma. I called him the Velma. That's what I wrote in my notes. I got the Velma. Oh, I'm sorry. I what you asked me what I thought of the trio. Very, uh, very Charlie's Angels. I have to say, and I think again, it's a formulaic thing where like you have the the smart one and the you know the athletic one, and then there's like the very girly girl one, and I, I think all three of these characters kind of hit each one of those. Yeah, it was when they got that that phone call at the beginning of the episode and the and they got assigned to that case. I, I, <laughs> Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Don -san. I also love slash hate their like de facto nickname slash the episode title for this one because it's trio like Torio the Beauty or Trio the Beauty, which is such a English miss <laughs> of yeah. I guess they're going for trio of beauties. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it's are we going to are we going to cover like how they ended up together too? Because it's such yeah, a- <laughs> yes, right. So, so, so we need to talk about the, at the beginning of the episode. Q and Kinta are on a mission. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you're headed, Ralph. Yes, please. <laughs> um. So, so. Uh, there are the f- the five main characters on the show. Q and Kinta are t- two other characters. <laughs> <laughs> They're two of the five, right? Two of the original five. They're both guys. Uh, they are going to investigate the girls' dorm. They have been sent there to look for an underwear thief. Yeah, and uh, and the <laughs> our scene opens on them standing in an alley, <laughs> uh, looking up, and the taller guy is just like. Mem- yeah. mesmerized and actually literally losing his can i curse on this show please oh, yes okay he's losing his fucking mind looking up and seeing all of the the panties that have been hung out to dry by all the women in the dorm and the little the littler guy like much to his credit is like you're a fucking pervert why am i even here with you and he's like no we gotta do this this is our first big assignment i'm like oh man i don't know where this is going but it was not good yeah, the the tall one is Kinta and the short one is Q. Okay, they're both on record as being underwear perverts, so I don't know why anyone right. w- would have thought a good idea to assign them this, but it's a clear intentional formula for disaster. And, and, yeah. the, and this, the episode, like you said, opened on these powerful women, like in Aikido class, like learning how to do throws and be strong, and and like, what were they busy? Like you couldn't pull them out of class and send them on this assignment. And we'll come back to this bizarre shower scene in a second because I want to follow Kinta and Q. We like we go away and then we see that they're now being chased by all the women from the dorm, and they like knock them down and surround them. And then later on, the teacher who walks in the the what the lady with the glasses and the hair, mm-hmm. uh, Katagiri sends it. Yes, the lady with the hair, the only one with hair in this episode. Okay, she has longer hair. <laughs> <laughs> no way! I was actually confused by this because they were switching back and forth between yeah. the two guys that were at the women's dorm and a, a as yet mystery woman who was looking through the window into a boy's locker room. So I was, it, they started to lose me on what was happening. So yeah, I guess they were trying to do a parallel scene, but it really did get very confusing. It, it's yeah. very confusing. Yeah. So what, what ends up happening to Kinta and Q is the teacher says, Oh, by the way, they were mistaken for perverts at the, at the women's dorm and they were arrested. And I'm just like, who thought there could be any other outcome? <laughs> Sending these two boys to investigate stolen underwear at the women's dormitory. What what else was going to result from this? I can just imagine the the headmaster woman or whoever like just making that call, sending those two idiots <laughs> to the women's dorm, and then like closing the door to her office, pouring a, cu- a glass of brandy, and like staring out the window, like God, I'm good at my job. Like, <laughs> really not. Yeah, they were they were mistaken for the criminals and taken away. So that's a problem. That's what happened to them. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's rewind to this sh- the shower <laughs> scene, M- Michael. What happened? Well, uh, one interesting th- thing happened. It de- we uh, debunked one of my running theories that Ryu might secretly be a girl because he finally walked around with his shirt open. Uh- <laughs> Is he the emo guy? Yes. He also okay. didn't have a visible Pluto tattoo. Yeah, 
That's right. I know Pluto is like the shadow organization, right? I did yeah. a little, I read that much. So, okay. So he, so he's like a double agent, we think? He, we know he is a member of them, and, but every member of Pluto also has their symbol somewhere tattooed on their body. Oh, well, we didn't see a lot of his body, unfortunately. Am I right? <laughs> uh, so he may still have one, like on his tuchus or something. He may still have one. Also, you know, Noah, he could just cover it with waterproof uh, makeup, and then uh, stripping him is completely worthless. Remember? Yeah. Oh yeah, they did. They did say that this organization <laughs> sometimes uses waterproof makeup to cover their tattoos. Oh, it's well, all very, very yeah, arbitrary. There you go. He's a double agent. They—that's their Chekhov's gun right there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so he's in the shower, and Cosma, who's an elementary schooler, is in the shower. Um, and when they come out. The a mysterious girl is staring in through the window. <laughs> and yes. she sees Kazuma's junk. Because he drops his towel. Right. And we don't because thankfully they censored it. Which causes everybody to kind of chase the girl around. And, and right, they're running around. Q and Kinta are running around. It's very confusing. But everybody does the thing where they all run into the same place and bump into each other and fall all fall into the ground. Were they trying to make a parallel that... She is just as much a miss on like she's being um, uh, misconstrued as being a, a peeping Tom just as much as they are. Were they trying to draw that parallel? I guess so. I mean, it was just very confusing. Whatever they were trying to do, we're all asking, what, the, what were you trying to what do? What were you so. trying to do? <laughs> what was going on? I mean, on? I realize this isn't like Francis Ford Coppola or anything. But. <laughs> of course, as soon as, this, as soon as this girl opens her mouth, I'm like, I hate... I hate your voice and the way you're talking. It's so... Oh, my God. I wrote that, too, in my notes. Like, what's it's... up with her voice? Like, if she was speaking English, she'd be like, oh, hello, I'm just a cute little girl. Like, I don't... I, uh, That's mm. how she's talking. <laughs> well, this is really interesting because we meet her kind of for the first time in this scene. Um, she's the third member of the... Trio the Beauty. Trio's the Beauty. <laughs> uh, Toya Kumiko-san, who just joined a class... She has a very distinctive outfit um, comparatively to some other characters who are introduced without distinctive outfits. Like, how would you describe her hair? It's doing a very specific thing. The, the short it? little bob? No, it wasn't even a bob. It was yeah. like a pixie cut, right? Yeah, it's short. Mm -hmm. and, like, I can picture it on other real-life characters, but I can't name one. It's a very <laughs> early 90s... Or, or no, like mid to late 90s, like that little bit longer pixie oh. cut where you could put the, the barrette in the front right part of it. So it was, you know what I mean? And it was look, look a little messy. I mm -hmm, think mm -hmm. Willow on Buffy the Vampire Slayer had this haircut at one point. Yeah. <laughs> when she has the short hair and it kind of goes out to the sides. So she's got that. She's wearing a jean skirt, these really tall like boots or leggings, um, a choker, red top with a white jacket, all, all sorts of stuff. And, and you know again i am not versed in anime but i'm assuming in the anime universe women don't own slacks or pants uh, it's all they either dress like schoolgirls, at or, least in this anime right. yeah in this anime they sure don't i mean oh, okay. it, yeah anything that a breeze can you know yeah uh, sigh 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 yeah, I think that's super important context, too, of why this episode is so confounding, is because this opening, I don't know how closely you were watching the song, but compared to the previous one, they upped by, like, 50 to 100% the number of shots of, like, zoomed in on Megu's shirt, skirt, and legs, 
and and uh, butt. <laughs> and so yeah. there's there's like a real serious uh, male gaze anime stuff going on just throughout this series. Yeah, I, 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 you know, number one, know your audience. So you know, yeah, two thumbs up on that, guys. But <laughs> still, it's it. I don't know. I think there's a lot to to unpack. I want to stay on course about just <clears throat> sticking with the show and the and the, the plot yeah. for everybody. But so if I get too much in the weeds, please let me know and and I'll come back onto the main road. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Um, and the other weird thing about Toya is that she is an ep- she's a character that was introduced last time. Yeah, she was in the in their previous set of episodes. She was this completely different looking, very like quiet, nerdy girl who was afraid to do anything or speak, and she had dark hair and glasses. So basically, she's doing a she's all that for this oh, episode. Nice. It cannot be expressed like like Ralph. You saw her and you were like, "Who's this new character?" We saw her and we were like, "This new character," because she is a hundred percent different. Like revealing how anime, you know, it, all their faces look the same because. Because her hair is different and her outfit is different, she looks nothing like her previous self. <laughs> right. It's it's such it's such a cliche of like, oh, she's she didn't know she was so beautiful. She just had to take off her glasses and get a haircut. And now right, yeah. everybody loves her. Take off her overalls and <laughs> yeah. right. she decided she wanted to be a detective. She also was, I guess, frustrated with being shy. Is yeah. that a, if that's a thing, so it's, she's got a makeover. It's really unclear if she's going to actually be a character moving forward or if they super shoehorned her in to just have a trio this episode because yeah. someone was like, we don't have three girls. They don't. <laughs> they sure don't. Well, they do. The 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 headmistress of the school. They oh, I would have loved it if Katagiri Sensei was the third one in this. That would have been a lot more fun. Yeah. It would have made a lot more <laughs> sense, too, honestly. So... Uh, someone decides that the three of them, our, tr- our trio de beauty, should be uh, go to the police station to sort things out and get Q and Kinta back. To which I'm like, where are the phones? <laughs> right. Why do they have to send someone over there? I didn't think of that. It is kind of pointless. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even think of that either. They could have just like FaceTimed with them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it must be the case that like the dorm that Q and Kinta was at wasn't like a Don de- detective school dorm. They maybe I guess someone called in from like a random boarding school with this case and they went there and were total strangers. Got it. Yeah, that does seem to be the case cuz I don't think Don Detective School has dormitories no, that we've shouldn't. seen. No, it shouldn't. Really baffling. Yeah, lots of unexplained stuff. <laughs> um so they they take the subway to go to, on their thing. Oh, may I? Can I don't know if anybody notices or not, but as we were introduced to the trio and they were waiting to catch the train, did you hear the music? It was very Adams Family adjacent. Yes. Oh yeah, like did we, we have this? Yeah, this recurring almost uh, Adams Family theme song. We have this recurring almost Pink Panther theme song. There's a few weird little songs like that. Yeah, it's it's fun when something like that comes on, but it's and it's just different enough that they don't have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so the three of them ride the subway together, and there is a, a notable thing is that it starts raining once they're on the subway. 
That's important. Yeah, and and Yukihira is like, you don't have an umbrella. What kind of idiot non-detective doesn't have an umbrella? Which is yeah, she so rude and so arbitrary. Because she didn't even bother to check the weather reports, and so she didn't know she needed an umbrella. Like, it Oops. happens. If I was a world-class, like, Colombo, I don't think, ever wore a, or carried an umbrella. He just had a trench coat. Yeah, a good detective is just going to solve a mystery wet. <laughs> I would prefer that, actually. But yeah, she was laying into, uh, what was her name, Miniami-san, about yeah. not having an umbrella. I'm like, all right, relax. You're in public. Like, save it for the classroom, lady. Jesus. <laughs> and, the, and yeah, they have this whole, like, bickering kind of one-upmanship rivalry thing. And Yukihira is kind of upset, as she should be, to have to go save these two idiots um, and Megu points out something, which is that the five of them had saved Yukihira just a couple episodes ago, which we covered in um, episode 16 of our podcast. It's episodes 24 and 25 of Detective Academy Q, where Q and Yukihira are kind of rivals and Yukihira gets kidnapped and everybody saves her with the help of a couple odd gadgets. <laughs> oh, does, does, she, does she like have a chip on her shoulder that they all saved her? Well, basically, yeah, and she and Q like both went to the same thing, and they're like, "I'm going to solve the mystery first. No, I'm going to solve the mystery first. And then she got kidnapped. Well, what we learned at that time is that Yukihira is actually the niece of Don, so oh, she's yeah. like, "I'm the one who's supposed to take over for him. Why am I not in the best class?" she's the she's the entitled like relative in the academy. Mm -hmm. Got mm -hmm. it. Yeah. All right. Speaking of entitled. <laughs> Oh, Michael, I'll let you do it. Yeah, well, so speaking of entitled, Saburo Maru makes an appearance. Uh, he's our, our rich, annoying, talentless character. Who doesn't do much oh. in this episode. Was he the dorky guy in the in the Windbreaker? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, okay. He's rich and entitled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You might not know this about him, Ralph, because he didn't say it this episode like he usually does, but he uh, is a Tokyo University student with an IQ of 180. Yeah. All right, so this is this is the point where it happens mm -hmm. um, because they're riding the train. A lot of people get on and super crowded, like shoulder to shoulder crowded, and someone reaches out uh, and grabs Toya, the new girl's butt, while they're on the train. And this is isn't this uh, like a real life concern for? Yes, it's it's very. I, I know. I mean, I know it's a concern everywhere, but. I just, I, I had a thought in the back of my head that I heard a news story or something that this was like a huge problem in Tokyo. Yeah, well, so there's also, there's very often very crammed uh, trains during rush hour. I think, I think it's hard to know anything about Japan without knowing that. I think it's a pretty much, <laughs> everybody knows the the trains yeah. in Tokyo are very crammed during rush hour. So there's a lot of incidents of, yeah, grope taking advantage of the anonymity and doing some yeah. crabby grabs. And later on, once they've cornered the culprit and exposed him, they say to him, the only reason you would have ridden that train during rush hour is for pickpocketing or molestation. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think that they set, um, I'm, I'm looking at my notes so I don't get anybody's name wrong, uh, Toya, I think they set her up as the person to unfortunately be the target of the unwanted advances of the assault yeah. uh, because she is so like they set her up to be this very mousy character. And yeah. so he didn't 
react right away. She didn't say anything right away. And you could, there was a, there, there was a whole sequence where she was very much conflicted about, oh my God, somebody's hands on my butt. You know, should I say anything? Should I, you know, she, she was struggling. You could tell. It was super uncomfortable to watch. It was really. very it uncomfortable to watch. And it's partially because there's a couple things. One is like, this is in some ways a kid's show, which makes it very odd. Um, and the other thing is the tone of it, because they are like going back and forth into the comedy aspect of it, which doesn't really work. Mm-mm. Like she she does at one point try to tell them about a pervert on the train. Um, and I always wonder about what exactly how that word translates from Japanese. And they think that she's talking about Kinta and Q because that's also something about perverts. So it's like a comedy of misunderstandings, which is just not funny when this is happening. Yeah, and it they, it was like it was almost like very Three's Company esque of like the the slapstick misunderstandings about everything. And it, it you're right. right, it didn't really jibe with. I think they they had an opportunity, especially going back to. Uh, I'm getting get into the weeds for just a second. If you bear with me, um, I think go, going back to who their audience is, and I, again, I'm I'm. What's the word? Oh, I'm assuming that, you know, what their audience is, but it's probably majority men, right? Yes. So I think they had an opportunity if they really wanted to do something or delve into some kind of storyline about women being assaulted on crowded trains, they could have done it. I mean, it's a detective show. They could have done it in a very serious noir way <clears throat> where the comedy wouldn't be kind of butting heads with the message that could have been there. So I think in that regard, they missed a huge opportunity to kind of get the message out to their, their fan base or people who watch the show, like, Hey, this is a problem. Don't be a fucking pervert and touch women without their permission. You fucking piece of shit. And they didn't do that. And Michael, what we think this is specifically like teenage boys or preteen boys would be the target. The target audience. Uh, I I guess they're looking at the 10 to 14 range as their primary audience. Yeah. So, I mean, still, still, they could have done something where they toned down the, the slapstick a little bit. Just, yeah. Again, not, it's not a culture that I'm familiar with. It's a different culture. It's a different country. You know, they know better than me how to, you speak to their audience, but just from my, you know, America specific point of view, I think there was a missed opportunity to kind of do something interesting with this topic. I think we can all agree it's a pretty muddied message they're trying to get yeah. across. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because when they get to the last stop, uh, I think Yukihira notices she spots the hand, uh, while the while the guy is touching her and because they, Toya isn't able to communicate what's going on so you could hear specifically sees it and like grabs her and shouts like there's a pervert on the train and everybody hears and that's like right when the door opens and there's kind of a scramble and at this point they switch into a mode of the three girls working together to like catch this guy and I think this is what they were going for is like that female empowerment thing of like here's these women that are going to get to catch this guy and enact justice when usually like they would be the victim in this story 
it just doesn't quite line up all the time. No. <laughs> I mean, at the beginning where they, they do actually find the guy because uh, Yukihira has photographic memory and so she remembers his watch and his the color of his shirt and yeah you know so she you takes him they take him to the security office and it, at first like the guys the older guys are like whatever yeah right you couldn't tell it was him for real you're free to go dude you know and it was it was starting to go you know go the way that a lot of these do happen where the guys yeah. just let off yeah and this is uh, uh, the moment where I felt the the message was most mixed, with uh, being messed up with their their usual portrayal of women because they they cat they corner this guy and they're like, "You're a molester. Molesting is wrong." And they cut to the eye catch and it's uh, Megu's butt. It's <laughs> just like immediately like. Oh yeah, when they when they go to commercial, they, they oh really yeah have a shot of her butt. <laughs> it's just like, what are you trying to do? Yeah, Ugh. very very uh-huh. mixed message there. <laughs> let's kind of talk through how they catch him because they do some solid detecting um, to, to, to pin the crime on him because right. Megu recognizes his shirt, his watch and the back of his body from when (laughs) he was was running away. (laughs) That was the funny part where he said all businessmen look the same from the back. And I was like, I'll drink to that. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I digress. Sorry. <laughs> oh, before we get too too far past it, there was a, oh, a line that I found very funny before they started actually chasing him, where they were talking about uh, whether or not Q and Kinta were perverts. Oh yeah, and Mega was like, they have an unhealthy interest in women, but they're not perverts. And I'm like, isn't that's the definition <laughs> that's, of yeah. pervert? <laughs> like what do you think a pervert is oh uh, that's yeah th- i think that's the main reason this episode is so off is because they've put it into parallel with like q and kinta being mistaken for perverts but here's a guy who really is one and it just cuts into the seriousness yeah the weird of what's up with him because and our main characters was, are and uh other toya thing. was uh, mistaken for a pervert in the beginning too, because she was right looking through the wind. What I mean, actually, wouldn't I don't want to. I don't know if I want to go this far down the road, but wouldn't she be more guilty than anybody else? Because, or not at least of the other two on the team, because she was actually looking through the window in the showers. I guess the implication is just she's really clueless. Uh, she doesn't it. interact with people a lot. So, like, she recognized Cosma, who just happened to be wearing a towel out of the shower and didn't un- know that, like, it was wrong to try to talk to him. I see. Because okay. she wasn't hiding. She was, like, waving through the window. You're right, Ralph. It, like, all adds together into this very muddled... It's very muddled. Yeah. Message. There's certainly a less uh, prevalent character archetype where it's like the mousy, nerdy girl who's on the internet all the time who's super into uh, BL or boys love manga. Oh. So I thought maybe they were going to go for that. I don't think they quite leaned into that. Right. It's like what I women, was hoping. Women drawing hot male-on-male anime action. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a, a whole... Oh, okay. A, a whole subculture of... Yeah, uh, media created by... Why do I know this? Media created by women for women about gay men mm-hmm. in Japan. 
Yeah, it's okay. BL in Japan, and it's called Yaoi by large in America. And it's just about pretty men smashing their junk against each other. Right. But it's not <laughs> written by men, and it's not even written for men. <laughs> That's really interesting, I, because it does... It's like we were talking about the male gaze before and how this show is absolutely written from the point of view of the male gaze and like what's yeah. gonna be attractive to men who are watching it. And I think there I think this it would be it's a nice uh, interesting kind of thought experiment to think what would what could this episode be if it was written by women. For women or even by women for men to just to like show them a different point of view about this this topic and yeah. you know not not muddying the waters with comedy and weird like three's company slapstick and i'd also like to clarify for our listeners that we feel this was written uh by the male gaze g-a-z-e and not by or for oh, the male yes. gaze g-a-y-s <laughs> although we are the ones who watched it and are talking about it on this this, po- this podcast is the latter <laughs> and i'm not assuming either some of the writers may have been male gaze we don't know That's we don't true. know i really don't think so about the creator of the show just based on the two shows he's created and their main characters both kind of you know being perverts being perverts a little bit and br- perverts and brilliant detectives. <laughs> Is this a running theme of like, I'm a pervert, but I'm also super smart? Um, um, yes. Uh, <laughs> there was, uh, there was Golden go Boy, which was literally, that's the entire premise of the mm-hmm. anime is he's very smart and a complete pervert. That's the entire premise. I don't know that anime. <laughs> wow. I, I believe you. And of course, in Detective Conan, which we still haven't really explained, but the huge the huge detective anime in Japan. Uh, one of the supporting characters is a washed up, not very good detective who is a big uh, pervert towards women and creeping on them all the time. He's he's a grown up man. <laughs> oh, so that makes it okay. No, <laughs> it's different, uh, but the same. All right, so I think we I think we can go through this mystery and the the great deductions that our b- trio of beauties puts together <laughs> in order to uh, stop this guy from getting away. So they go into a lot of detail. I didn't write down the name of any of the stations, but it was important about exactly when he got on and when she started noticing things um, because what they he says is, oh, this happened before Station Y and I got on the train at Station Y, so it couldn't have been me. But it's bullshit because it's pouring at that station and everybody who got on the train at that time was soaking wet. And that's where the umbrella comes back in and why it was so right. important that she was castigating the uh, <laughs> y- uh, Yuki Hira about it is because the guy turned like the the uh, security guard and the, the guy, the pervert was like, oh, sorry, misunderstanding. They don't know what they're talking about. Have a good day, sir. And he turned to leave and Yuki Hira saw the um yeah saw her the umbrella and she was like oh my god it all makes sense because the end uh she went into this long can i can i say a little bit about what her thinking yeah i think you are mixing up yukihira who has the short dark hair and megu who has the pink hair and the photographic memory oh yes i am i'm sorry and i maybe i wrote down their names from the subtitles so if i'm saying them wrong forgive me yeah, of course. It's it's um, not easy to pick them up 
watching one episode with no content and trying my best you're doing great uh yeah so the 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 woman with the photographic memory she was the one and then she, she started she oh she said oh she did the perfect like detective thing like oh one more thing before you leave sir and he was like yes and she said, you know, when you got on to the end, like the caboose of the train, the last car, and then she started unraveling the thought process of, oh, well, you said you got on at this station, but at this station, it was the the cover of the train, the um, the platform didn't go all the way to the the end car, so the people who got on the train in the end car were soaked. If, and so if you got on at that station, like you said, you would have been soaked and your your umbrella would have been wet, but it's not, yeah. which proves that you were on the train earlier and you didn't get wet. And I, at that point, I literally went, holy shit, I didn't notice that. Like, that was really good detective work. <laughs> I was impressed. They are good at it. And she like nearly is able to get the guy, but that's not quite enough because he had a ticket to show that he got on the, at the station he said he got on. And so Yuki here is like, uh-uh, I can explain this. And this is also really dumb because actually we had something similar on an earlier episode, our right. train alibi episode, <laughs> which I think uh, was episode four, episode 15 of the podcast, where someone bought, a, you, you just buy more tickets at the station or you ride the train more than once. Right. Generally speaking, a train ticket is not a good alibi. <laughs> not, no, not at all. It's even worse here because the train ticket has a timestamp on it from when he used it earlier, like three hours earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. Then he should have used it. Yeah. And they, they said something about if you run the magnetic strip, it'll tell you when yeah. he actually got on the train. And I guarantee it's going to be three stations before he said he went on. And the implication is he got on the train and just has been riding it around for a while waiting for a target which is like an extra layer of creepy yeah it sure is and that's the thing too like we didn't need that he was already creepy and a culprit but like in order to separate him from our not um our 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 other perverts who aren't really perverts they just (laughs) you know they had to they had to set him up as like doing this super deliberately and 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 all of that extra layers. He's super duper creepy, not just regular creepy. He's super <laughs> unleaded creepy. Exactly. Which I worry in my in the back of my brain. I'm like, are you just telling people how to be perverts now? Like you didn't need that. <laughs> oh, he just bought a train ticket and's been riding the train looking for victims. You know, I'm like, is that really necessary? Ugh. Well, as with any episode of of this or any of the very elaborate murder plots in like murder mysteries, and I'm like. This could be slightly instructional. Like <laughs> someone could use this idea and most cops wouldn't be like, oh, if you did this and this and this, like. Okay, so let's see. What what murder plans can we can we gather from Detective Academy? No, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to point out. So, right, so we can like um, string someone up on a wire between two telephone poles and lift them into the air. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good one. We can strangle someone in the dark uh, using a scarf that we hold in our teeth. Yes, we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> These are all episodes of the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was what was last week? 
Oh, last week wasn't the murder wasn't that crazy, but you know there was other crazy stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there usually a murder, or is it like this episode where it's 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 not nobody dies, but it's still pretty? Well, it's there is usually a murder. There is usually a murder. A couple episodes ago, um, we were trying to investigate who broke into Megu's house. Okay, but nobody died. Nobody died in that episode. Well, they should have. <laughs> Three stars. <laughs> And now we get to the chase. Was there? Oh, yeah, there is another chase scene. That's right. They, he realizes they've got him. Mm-hmm. So he's got to get away. Yeah, that's right. And he and uh, he he's being chased by. I'm going to get this right this time. Yukihira and uh, Miniyami. And then Toya, the new girl, the new mousy girl. He's running towards her like full bore like ready to knock her over and they're doing like the switching from face to face and she's looking really uncomfortable and he's like, Rah! and then he gets to her and the Aikido training kicks in and she fucking flattens him in front of everybody on the, tr- the train platform. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you get, pervert. Yeah, it's it's possibly the most satisfying moment of the episode where the victim uh, manages to like literally take the like just absolutely take the wind out of his sails in a very satisfying way yeah and i think that's i think that's what they were trying to do right is like hey look they got to take control here and catch this guy it is a successful moment Mm -hmm. and this is where we learn that toya's father is like the owner of a dojo of aikido uh and an aikidojo yeah and she's like okay okay Just saving you some time. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a weird line in here where she was like, she was like almost embarrassed that she had used her training and she was like, oh no, my father's going to lock me in the storehouse again. (laughs) And I'm just like, we're just going to let that line pass? Yeah. That sounds like some severe... She's not supposed to use her training um, against other people who aren't students of Aikido. So if her father finds out, he's going to lock her in the storehouse. But that sounds like some weird abuse. I don't know. I didn't like that. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Again, unnecessary for the the episode. And I, I, I keep going back to if this was... This is just another uh, uh, example of it's better to... To have uh, inclusive and diverse writing rooms, because I'm sure if there was another woman or two who was helping to write this episode, this would have turned out a whole lot differently. Yeah, you can just see the like male writers high fiving each other, <laughs> oh, yeah. each other on the butt, but not in a pervert way. <laughs> is, that, is that what they do in manga writing rooms? <laughs> God, I hope so. Why? Why do you hope so? <laughs> for comedy, Noah. For comedy. <laughs> there might. Hey, we don't know. There may be uh, one of the um, the for by women for women writing rooms covering this very topic, <laughs> and like, let's write an episode about a men's writing room, and they all end up <laughs> and they all pat each other on the butt. <laughs> I'm sure that exists. I, I'm sure it does. So. I, I do like the way they wrap up the episode. It's appropriately bizarre. And also there's ice cream. <laughs> yeah, but as I was watching the end, I was like, okay, the the women are celebrating. They got ice cream. And all the time I'm thinking, you didn't finish your assignment. Like, <laughs> you didn't do out. the thing. You didn't do the thing of rescuing your teammates from... And then it ends up, they have this weird scene where 
the two guys are now being attacked by the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. It was like this weird, <laughs> weird way to end the whole thing. Yeah, it's like they're, they're literally at like a pro wrestling club, which is like, first of all, where is that a thing? Second right. of all, the police, did the police bring you here? Is this standard like procedure in Japan? Like, oh, they're perverts. Bring them to the women's pro wrestling club. Were they investigating missing <laughs> underwear from like the uh, pro wrestling school? The all women <laughs> pro wrestling school. I, I'm assuming because that. Oh that's, my god! But again, that would make too much logical sense. So I have to say no. This is just something <laughs> they throw in at the end. I mean, we're we're talking about an anime centered around a detective, a specialized detective school. I would hope that in this universe of specialized anime schools, there's a pro wrestling school. Like, why not? Yeah, but there really isn't any explanation. It, it seems like, yeah, they forget about them, so they go have ice cream. And now the, the consequence is that Q and Kinta are being, having the shit wrestled out of them by a <laughs> bunch of ladies. Mm -hmm. What I would have liked to have seen, if I can like retcon this whole thing, is I would have Please. liked to see the pervert get on the caboose of the train that's just filled with women wrestlers. <laughs> he tries his bullshit and then they're like pervert and they fucking rip him limb from limb and then it was like a five minute episode but so much more satisfying yeah <laughs> well we do have to appreciate they often when there's a murder make us sympathize with the murderer for one way or another you know he was being tormented or he was mistaken about what was going on and mm -hmm. oh it's a tragedy that he did this thing there is no sympathy for the man here no um and that's good. That's that's correct. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. break down and sob and go, my wife left me and blah, 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 blah. And we're like, you know. Yeah, no, there was no, he even like he had the creepy smile and the the, his, the cadence of his speech, like the way he uh. talked. And it was just very like slow and deliberate and creepy. So this guy definitely had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. His confidence of like going along with their investigation because there was no way he was going to get caught. Yeah. When they pulled out their badges, I'm using air quotes, you can't see, but it was like, uh, okay, great, maybe citizen's arrest, but they all pulled out these weird like leather notebooks that wasn't a <laughs> yes. badge. And I'm like, does this mean something? Do people like, yes. oh, they got the notebooks. They're real detectives. Like, can you fill me in on that? I mean, that's pretty much it. They're their official uh, DDS detective notebooks and they work like badges. And they also are fun, full of fun gizmos. And basically we're to believe in this universe, DDS is very well respected by everybody and everybody knows it and it's very famous. So if you have that notebook, the cops are going to listen to you. Oh, Okay. I, I see no hole in that logic at all. <laughs> I also liked the post credit scene. Did you stick around for that, Ralph? Oh, I'm no. Oh, no. There was a post credit scene? Yeah. Oh, shit. It's all the way at the very end. Well, maybe we can, maybe we can paint a picture for you. Okay, please. So, I'll close my eyes. Imagine, if you will, a mm -hmm. beautiful sunset over the beach. It was uh -huh. an embankment. Uh, over uh, a over beautiful river. sunset over an embankment <laughs> um and q and kinta sitting down looking out into the sunset and q is like trying to hold back tears and kinta's like because they're both very visibly beaten up <laughs> uh -huh. like, physically beaten up and kinta's like no q don't cry and but q cries oh and that's it 
It was just the, the weird energy cherry on the weird yep. energy Sunday that was this episode. The, these are like 10-second nonsense clips. Occasionally, they advance the plot, but usually it's just a, a nonsense bit at the end. Okay, like a, re- a little bit at the end reinforcing toxic masculinity. Don't show your emotions. <laughs> well, but cute does show emotions sometimes. Sometimes. It's Megu. Megu is the one who has a problem where she's too emotional. <laughs> or no, she she has diagnosed herself with that. Because she, she'll get upset for like, you know, seeing a dead body or something. Well, she has the photographic memory, right? So I would... Yes. I would- I would also be a wreck if I could recall in stunning crystal detail every dead body I've seen. She can. Um, all right. So we we survived. We made it to the end of that. I, I personally, like, if you listen to this before watching the episode, I'm like, whatever. Skip this one. <laughs> <laughs> How do you all feel? What do you think? Um. I, I, yeah, I'm going to <clears throat> go back to my original uh, uh, point that we need to, first of all, know your audience. And if you're going to tackle, this was like, this is almost like a very special episode of, you know, very special episode of Different Strokes or Facts of Life, where they like cover a really heavy topic. It, you know, ugh, I think it, their tone was was not great, and I, I feel like they could have handled it with much more aplomb, my 50 mm-hmm. cent word for the day, than they did. And I, yeah. I feel like it, it may give the wrong message to their audience. Yeah, I mean, this was so ham-fisted that they got like ham juice all over the animation cells. It was, <laughs> it was pretty poorly done. Yeah, I was just kind of stunned, yeah, by some of the places they went. Also... I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, you can't use your outlet to tackle topics like this because I think it's a topic that needs to be tackled. I I think, you know, the more you spread the word that this is disgusting and terrible and you shouldn't do it, I think is great. So I I don't want to be the police of, oh, no, just because you write this weird anime show, you can't tackle this. Of course not. I think anybody should be able to tackle whatever they want. But I think you need to sit down and have a good think about what <laughs> angle you can come at this where you're not just going to make it worse and just make an instructional video on how to assault women on a train. Right, right. Like the, the angle you want to come from is probably not 45 degrees below Megu's skirt, basically. <laughs> well done. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like they had a message. It just feels like they had a story. Yeah, and nobody... Nobody really got their comeuppance. Like nobody yeah. really got what they deserve. Like, yeah, the guy got body slammed, which was satisfying, but you didn't see him getting arrested. You didn't see anything like that. It was like there are consequences. There's real world consequences to these actions. You know, if you if you're a creep and a pervert and you assault women on a train, I would like to see you getting arrested and put in the back of a car. Because I think that visual has more of an impact on your audience than getting body slammed by your your victim and then nothing else happens. Yeah, what's the likelihood that you're going to encounter three young members of a detective school on the train? Right. I'm going to go with zero. <laughs> right. That's a little. That's a little low. <laughs> so. If it's po- even possible for you to look past the specific content of this episode, mm-hmm. 
what do you what do you make of the show? Would you be interested in checking out an episode that is like? Would you ever watch this again? <laughs> <laughs> I always ask that, but it's a bit different. It's a bit different context. today. <laughs> um, I I mean, everybody has a misstep, and I you know I, I my partner and I make it a point to when we watch a new series or like something fun we want to check out. If the first episode isn't great, we always say, you know what? It was the first one. Let's give it another shot. See what happens. So I'm, I would, I would say I would definitely give this another shot. I think it's a cute, it's a cute idea of like, we're in this detective school and we solve mysteries around town. I think that's fun. And I think the, the mysteries they solve, like just, you know, apart from the storyline, I think the way they solved this mystery was interesting and it was like. I would definitely watch another one to give it another chance. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else, like, in terms of your response to it, um, does it, is it similar to anything else you've seen before? Or does it remind you of anything? Well, I mean, there's always that that common through line in these mystery shows, like Murder, She Wrote, or like, you know, any kind of detective thing that happens where, you you know you have the small town and like there's a murder that happened and then we got to solve it and so i always love that kind of stuff yeah um, yeah what's the likelihood that they're the ones on the train that encounter something <laughs> right. that needs well solving? i mean i think i think there's that suspension of belief of disbelief anywhere where you have you know, just like Murder, She Wrote, because I just said it, but like you have this little sleepy New England town and everybody die, like somebody dies every week. <laughs> like, all right, I would fucking move if if there's that huge body count, like anybody yeah. who comes here dies. So I think you have to suspend your disbelief at some point during this stuff. So I think that's a, that's a big part of it. And that's part of the fun of it too. Like, of course, there's not a detective school where these barely out of, out of high school kids are like solving murders, but that's part of the fun aspect of it. Yeah, this was an odd one, but as always to our listeners, if you have thoughts, comments, questions, uh, something we missed, a, a different viewpoint. Again, we we were three gay men on this episode, so we, <laughs> we don't have the same viewpoint, but we're coming from s- some neck of the woods. Um, but you can send us your thoughts at uh, to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com, and we will share them on a future episode. So uh, we're, we're mostly wrapping up at this point. So Ralph. Yes. Folks that want to keep in touch with you and some of the things you're up to, um, what's going on and what should they know about? Um, well, as you mentioned, I am an improviser. I am a performer. I am an instructor. <clears throat> and as we kind of get used to uh, our current situation, our, cur- our, our kind of new reality of living in a pandemic and living in quarantine, I'm going to try right. to offer more classes and workshops. So if you're interested in learning about improv or, you know, anything it can teach you, stay tuned to my social media because I'll be offering some stuff soon. Um, And I, as you mentioned, I am also a mindset coach. So improv led me into life coaching and mindset coaching. So if anybody has a huge change they want to make in their life, like a new job, new career, getting a promotion, uh, quitting smoking, you know, anything, getting healthier, time management, anything where you're like, I have to make this huge change, but I don't quite know how to go about it or who to talk to about it. That's what I do. So 
if anybody listening to this has any kind of issue like that, that you'd want to talk to somebody about and you want it done in like a fun atmosphere, because I am a teacher and a comedian and a performer. So I come at this from a whole different point of view. Uh, get in touch with me. May I share my contact information? Yes, please do. Uh, you can find me on my website, informationcoaching.com. And you can also find me at uh, LinkedIn or Facebook at InfoCoachRalph. And you can email me at ralph at informationcoaching.com. Wonderful. Um, thank you so much for talking through this episode. You're very uh, welcome. Usually we say talking about, but this was a talking through the episode. This was a very special episode of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. Because, I, yeah, I was starting to think like, what am I going to write in our podcast description? What am I going to write on Twitter when I share this episode? How? What? Why? Who? Michael, it's usually the one to get a um, like a fun screen grab from the episode. Mm -hmm. What are we? I guess we'll get. Well, let's get one of them doing ice cream at the end. Oh, I was thinking of just uh, taking uh, Katagiri Sensei and having her holding a glass of. Uh, <laughs> brandy. A glass of brandy and having to be like, damn, I'm good at my job. You know, that didn't that didn't happen in the episode, but if you want to put it that did together. Now. <laughs> and I think it would be helpful. Again, I just want to reiterate like you said, Noah, we are three gay men coming from a specific point of view and a specific mindset, specific culture. And, you know, none of us are women or female identified. No, none of us can really know about this topic intimately. Right. Like somebody who's gone through it or is in danger of it can. So all the, I, all the, uh, all the points of view that I've expressed, I've tried to be as, you know, honest as I can, that I'm talking about this as somebody who do hasn't gone through it and hasn't experienced it and doesn't really have to worry about it. Um, so I've tried to do my best to kind of pull another point of view in, but if anybody is angry about anything I've said, you know, please, uh, you talk to me right into the show or write to me and talk to me about it because yeah. I'm, I'm not going to shut myself off and be like, no, what I said was right. You know, I tried my best. Yeah. Certainly. If you end up watching the episode or just listening to our episode and have feedback to us, um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to share that other viewpoint and, and hear that as well. So yeah, th thanks thanks for uh, expressing that, Ralph. Because yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, that's definitely a flaw in our in our approach today. Now I do want to say we're going back to murder mysteries. Thank all the lords, <laughs> <laughs> all of them, all of them, all of them. <laughs> um, so next episode, we're covering episodes 33 and 34 of Detective Academy Q. This is a murder that takes place in Cosma's elementary school. Someone is murdered with a blow dart of curare, stolen curare poison, and they're dressed up in a tribal mask. I don't know where that is going. Oh, man. Noah, is this going to be problematic? I don't know, uh, but it sure looks... Uh, there's a murder so you know, that's, that's what we're looking for that's what we're looking for oh good so we're back to our usual situation of there's a murder and it's interesting but also it's a super problematic show it's it's not the most problematic show <laughs> in anime it's 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 maybe a low bar uh to not be the most problematic show in anime but oh boy I think I see your show going in a new direction of <laughs> problematic anime. 
I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sighing Message, the problematic anime mystery oh, podcast. That's our new spinoff, isn't it? Sighing Message. <laughs> um, Let me get that list that uh, Neil Barthand sent us. Oh, yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> You know, um, we, we we I've been trying to watch stuff and preview stuff, and one thing we watched was this series of of the, like women thief from the eighties, <laughs> which is delightful but problematic, called Cat's Eye, and it's made by a guy who also has a show called City Hunter, and that is probably the most stark example of a show I've watched, which has the per, the pervert protagonist, right, Michael? Pervert protagonist. In City Cat's Hunter. Eye? Oh, City Hunter. Oh, yeah, City, City Hunter, Hunter, which yeah. is the other show in the Cat's Eye universe. We watched a movie that came out last year, where which was, they revisited the show after, it came out in the 80s, but this was like a modern movie where they were revisiting it. And he has a sidekick who carries around a giant hammer and whacks him on the head every five minutes because he's perving out on women. And it's like, uh, so, you know, maybe, so on sighing message, join us when we cover City Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> But we're so gr- we're so grateful you listened to this one. I'm speaking directly to you, our listeners, and covering lots of interesting anime beyond just Detective Academy Q. We're finishing up with this fairly soon. We've just got a couple more episodes of coverage, um, and then we'll explore a few different anime. So thanks for listening. And the best way you can support our podcast is on Apple Podcasts in particular, wherever you're listening. Review us, rate us, um, so that people know that you enjoyed the podcast and then they may enjoy it too. You can also connect with us via email at dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on social media, Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter, and stay tuned for the future. Oh no, Ralph, I forgot to ask you I've about already the left. mystery of... <laughs> He left the no, building, we'll no. never know. Oh, I'm he in my did car. Say he I'm liked... driving away. I don't know he what did... you're talking about. He did say he liked Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, that's true. You like that. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> the, carb, the carb-loading rodent. Yes. What a book cover. Uh, I know, right? I should write it immediately. So uh, we, as we live in the city, we live in Philly, right? We are urban dwellers. Yes. And mm-hmm. as it gets colder, we do have an influx of uninvited guests into our home, i.e. little little rodents, like little mice. And they're not like big mice or like rats or anything. They're the the tiny little like field mice. They're super cute, tiny ones that you don't even, you just want to hug them. You don't even want to trap them or kill them. I just want to like put them up on a shelf and hug them every so often. And so we have those kind of like cute infestations, right? Um, And one night we were, it was like late at night, we were watching TV or something and I hear something crunching. And it it's, I was like, what the fuck was that? Did you hear that? And Dan's like, no, I didn't hear anything. And so we keep watching TV and I hear it again. I'm like, all right. And I pause the, I pause the, whatever we watch. And I'm like, there's something making a noise and I don't know what it is. So we all, we sit there in silence, looking at each other for like two minutes. And then I hear it again and it's coming from the kitchen. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. So I slowly tiptoe to the kitchen and Dan's behind me. I'm like, all I needed is like a flashlight and mist. And it would be like the cover of a, of a mystery novel. Um, and we we're standing in the kitchen in the dark and it happens again. And I'm like, it's coming from the stove. It's over there. And so I, I creep over to the stove and we have one of the things where, um, 
the top of it lifts up so you can clean it and it like it does like the hood of the car thing where the, huh. the rod comes out and it like so it sticks up there so you can clean underneath the, the gas burners and so i'm listening and i hear it again and so i lift it up really quick and put the thing and i just see a mouse like disappear really quick and there's this little piece of uh dried out pasta that's like twirling around where it was <laughs> it slowly comes to a stop and i'm like Oh, he was just hungry. Now I've and got this mental like, image like the witch Hazel from Looney Tunes when she runs out of the room and there's just hairpins spinning hair where pins. she was. <laughs> thing. And Dan was like, well, we have to kill it. And I'm like, no, we're not killing any. I refuse to kill it. So the, the end of the mystery is we had a mouse who was just eating pasta because it was hungry and it's cold outside. And I'm I'm the kind of person, I don't want to kill anything. So anytime we have a mouse in our house, I try to find it. And it actually works. Like I find them, I trap them, and like I pick them up by the tail, and then I take them like a block away and let them go. So now there's somebody else's problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you did kill it, it would leave behind a dying mouseage. Oof. And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast, episode 20, in which at least we tried. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Ralph Andraccio. Coming up, what's Cosmo like in his native environment? Who keeps a dangerous poison in an elementary school? How can you win the lottery without purchasing a winning lottery ticket? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. If you did kill it, it would leave behind a dying mouseage. Oof. Is that how you're going to end? Is that... Is that... <laughs> I don't know. Should I? <laughs> I thought this is your show. <laughs> is there any recovering? No. Not. Nope. No. Nope. Yeah. That's how we're going out. It'll fade in somewhere in there. I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> oh, boy, this whole episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a lot. <laughs>